Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Today, I wanted to come on here and talk about fiber because I think fiber is totally underrated. It doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And hopefully we can change that. Hopefully I can tell you a little bit about why you should be adding fiber into your day. What are some of the benefits and how to do it in a way that doesn't cause major bloat because we don't want any of that, right? One of the things that we know about fiber is that people don't get enough of it. So the general population does not get enough fiber. The general population probably gets about half of the fiber that we need in a day. And for women with PCOS, it's extremely challenging to get enough fiber if we're not intentionally trying because of the recommendation to cut carbs. So if you've been to a doctor or you've Googled or you researched and you talked to some professionals and healthcare providers, you've probably somewhere along the way have heard you should really be cutting down on your carb intake or you should cut out carbs altogether. Here's a keto plan. Here's a diabetic plan. Here's a paleo plan. And all of these things will teach you how to reduce the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating pretty significantly, which in turn would mean that you're not getting enough fiber because fiber is found mostly in carbohydrates and Fiber is only found in plant-based foods, so things like grains, as well as starchy vegetables. So if you went ahead and cut back on things like oats and sweet potatoes and other starchy vegetables and grains, quinoa or stuff like that, or maybe rice, you're probably missing out on a whole bunch of fiber that you could be taking in. And with that, you're missing a lot of the benefits. So when we're looking at cutting carbs, one of the main concerns that I have when I'm working with women is, well, are you getting enough fiber? You've cut back on your carbs to 50 grams a day, 60 grams a day, or even 80 grams a day. There's a pretty good chance that you're not getting in enough fiber with that amount of carbohydrates. And we want to change that because there are lots of benefits that fiber gives us, okay? So we're going to get into all of that in a second. Someone says, I don't have your name because of StreamYard, but really trying to add more fiber, it's surprisingly more difficult than I expected. And quinoa is just the worst for my digestion. Yeah, so there's so many other fiber sources other than quinoa. You don't have to rely on it. I actually don't even eat it myself that frequently. But adding fiber is challenging. If you're not intentionally trying to do it, you're likely not going to reach the recommendations. So you always have to be thinking about fiber. You always have to be looking out for fiber. And then hopefully with spreading it out across your day, you can get to a good number, which we'll talk about what that is. Okay. But let's talk first about what fiber is. Fiber is essentially the roughage in food. It's the part of the plant that we cannot absorb. We can digest it, and actually that's where a lot of the benefits come from, but we don't absorb it into our body. And this is partly why fiber helps with regularity because it's excreted from the body. It helps the body remove toxins and waste, but it is not something that we absorb. And this is, by the way, partly why when we eat high fiber foods, we actually take in less calories than we think because a good chunk of it, the fiber part of it is not absorbed and we don't actually take in those calories. So just a side note that 
fiber can help with weight management in more than one ways. And one of them being that we do not absorb fiber. So those calories are essentially excreted from the body. Now it may sound like not a, like a negative thing that we don't absorb fiber, especially if you're prone to indigestion, but actually the fact that we don't absorb it is where all the benefits are. The process that fiber goes through in the body is what exerts all these health benefits to us. So when we talk about plant-based foods that we cannot absorb that have a lot of fiber, we're talking about the peel, the skin of fruits and vegetables. So the peel, we're talking about the fibrous pieces of things like asparagus or celery, you know, those stringy things, that's fiber, as well as the bran. So if we're looking at things like oatmeal or brown rice or any other grain that has not been stripped of the outer bran of that grain is the fiber. So not only is fiber found in those things, there's a lot of vitamins and minerals there as well. And this is why we constantly talk about not processing food, eating more unprocessed foods, because those foods will generally have more fiber, they'll have the entire component of the grain or the vegetable or whatever the plant is. And that's the benefit. That's where the benefit is. That's what we want to eat. Okay. So we want as minimal processing as possible on these plant-based foods. Now, when we eat those foods, like I said, it's the roughage in food. It's stuff that we do not actually absorb into our bloodstream. We cannot digest them fully. But what happens is our gut bacteria has a party. When we eat fiber, our gut bacteria is super happy. It's thriving because this is the stuff they feed on. The gut bacteria feeds on fiber and the gut needs fiber in order to continue to be intact. Okay. So when we're talking about an intact gut, we're talking about a healthy gut, a gut where everything is super tight so that no toxins leach from the gut into the bloodstream. We want to keep everything in the gut and make sure that only the nutrients get in. When the gut is unhealthy, there are actually these junctions in the gut lining that become open and things can get through. And that's when we talk about leaky gut. If you've ever heard of that, we don't want that. That causes a lot of inflammation. So adding fiber helps your gut stay tight, stay intact. And that ensures that not only your digestion is good, but you're not getting too much inflammation in your body and certainly not toxins that leach into the bloodstream. So this is all related to PCOS in many different ways. As you may already know, and if you've heard me talk about it, PCOS is a state of low-grade inflammation. So we definitely want the gut to be functioning as best as possible. And even if you're you know, going to the bathroom every day, having no issues with indigestion, you still want to take care of your gut and fiber is going to help you do that. So let's move on to talking a little bit about how fiber is beneficial. What are some of the things that we know fiber helps with and how it all relates back to hormones and PCOS? So when I think about fiber and fiber has literally dozens of well-documented benefits. And when I say well-documented, I mean, there's been research studies. There's been a lot of published papers about the benefits of fiber. So we know with pretty good evidence that fiber is super important. But then again, we have all these diet messaging and all these different low carb plans that get pushed on us as if carbohydrates are the enemy. And I always talk about fear of carbs. You may have heard me talk about FOC, fear of carbs. And the problem with fear of carbs 
and this is not your fault. Like I said before, we're constantly bombarded with these messages about cut carbs. Carbs are bad. Gluten is inflammatory. You should reduce the intake of all carbohydrates, all grains and things like that. Now we have this dilemma of, well, okay, if I need to cut back on carbs, how am I going to get this fiber in? So I want you to really think about letting go of fear of carbs, not thinking about carbs as something bad, but being very strategic with carbohydrates. And this is what I teach in my program. I teach the ladies how to add carbs in a smart way, how to find their carb tolerance. And I show them how to incorporate carbs basically into every meal and still feel great, feel better than they ever felt, reverse their symptoms and balance their hormones. You do not need to cut out carbohydrates in order to reduce insulin resistance. You definitely don't need to cut out carbs to be losing weight. All of my clients lose weight by eating carbohydrates every single day. It is possible, okay? And fiber is a huge crucial part of that. So whenever you're looking at adding carbohydrates, you always wanna prioritize those higher fiber carbs into each one of your meals, and you're going to see how great you feel. One of the main benefits of fiber is that it slows everything down. So when we eat fiber, it actually moves very slowly through our system, and it will help your blood sugar rise at a much slower rate. So what we do not want, especially with PCOS and insulin resistance, is a spike in blood sugar after meals because that's gonna cause a lot of insulin to be secreted and that's gonna worsen insulin resistance. So what we want is a more gradual increase in blood sugar and fiber is gonna help with that because fiber breaks down very slowly. So it's like little surges of sugar going into your blood as opposed to a huge spike. So for example, if we were to eat a piece of Wonder Bread, that's a bread that has no fiber at all. It's highly processed. It has no nutrition in it. It's going to get digested very quickly and likely spike your blood sugar. But if we were to eat a slice of sprouted bread, like Dave's Killer Bread or Ezekiel Bread or any sprouted bread or high fiber bread in general, it doesn't have to be sprouted. That's probably something that's going to have about three to four grams of fiber per slice. That's going to get broken down very, very slowly. It's going to raise our blood sugar much more slowly. And it's going to mean that your body is now shooting out a ton of insulin to lower the sugar down as quickly as possible. So the fact that fiber moves things slowly through the gut is a huge benefit. It's also going to help you stay full because the longer something stays in your system, the more full you'll feel and your brain is actually going to get a signal that you do not need to eat any longer. If food moves very quickly through, that signal, that communication between your gut and your brain doesn't happen in a timely manner and you keep eating. Or you eat a meal, you eat very quickly, you don't realize that you're getting full and then you eat some more and all of a sudden you feel overly full. That's because you didn't allow enough time or maybe that meal didn't contain enough fiber. Things move through too quickly and that communication between your gut and your brain that you're full didn't occur in time. It happened in a delayed way and then you felt overly full. So fiber helps us stay more connected with our fullness and satiety cues. We're going to understand when we're full in a timely manner and we're going to ensure that we're not overeating unless we're really truly still hungry. Fiber helps you do that. So it keeps you fuller for longer. That's, of course, going to help with weight management, because if I'm not hungry constantly, I don't need to eat. I don't need to snack and graze. So it's going to help you manage your weight. 
And like I said before, it's going to help with insulin resistance because your blood sugar is going to be better managed. So that's the first category, the fact that it slows things down. The second benefit of fiber is it kind of acts like a cleaning crew in your system. So when you eat fiber, it's going to start going through your gut and picking up all the gunk and toxins and icky things that are in our digestive system. And especially if you're constipated or have some sort of IBS symptoms, you're going to want to add specific types of fiber to make sure that you're cleaning things out. So fiber is going to act like the cleaning crew. It comes through your digestive tract and picks up all the toxins and gunk and things that we want to excrete from the body. Fiber really acts like a sponge in the gut. So when we eat fiber, it's actually going to absorb a lot of water into your digestive tract and it's going to expand. And when it expands, it can take with it a bunch of stuff because it takes up a lot of space. Okay. And when it expands, that's also why we feel full because it's pushing against the walls of our gut. And that's how we perceive the sensation of fullness. When something pushes against the stomach walls or the gut walls, that releases specific hormones that tell the brain we're full. This is why small volume food is not going to fill you up because it doesn't take enough space in your gut. So the second way that fiber exerts its benefits is by acting like the cleaning crew. The first benefit is that it slows things down. So it keeps you full. It keeps your blood sugar stable. It ensures that you're staying satiated for a really long time. The third way that it exerts its benefits is fermentation. So like I said in the beginning, the gut bacteria feed on fiber. So when we eat fiber, and when I'm talking about fiber, I'm talking about produce, oatmeal, avocados, nuts and seeds, all of those things have a good amount of fiber. So it's not just in brown rice and whole wheat pasta, which I know a lot of people don't like. So I always tell people, and I just spoke to a client about this yesterday. She said, is it better to eat white rice or brown rice? I said, eat the one that you like most. We're going to work on getting fiber in other places in your day. So I'm not one of those people who say you only can eat brown rice or you can only eat sweet potatoes. You know, sometimes I look at PCOS meal plans or lists of foods that other people, other, you know, so-called expert, I should say, put out. And their lists are ridiculous. Like nobody wants to eat sweet potatoes every single day. Nobody wants to eat brown rice for the rest of their life. You want to be flexible with it. You want to understand how to add fiber. So you're not tied into two or three foods. And those are your go-to, right? So we want a variety. And that's really important as well. We don't want to consume the same high fiber foods every single day. Because guess what? Every type of fiber feeds a different type of bacteria. So if I'm only eating oat fiber, or if I'm only eating the fiber that comes from brown rice, only that specific strain of bacteria is going to grow in my gut. And I don't want that. The most important thing for gut health is actually diversity. We want different types of bacteria to thrive. I don't want to feed just one type of bacteria. And this is why I need a variety of fibers in my day. All right. So we talked a little bit about fiber, what it is, what are the benefits? But I also want you to know that when we talk about regularity, which is what fiber is most known for, this has a huge impact on hormones because of estrogen. So estrogen detoxification is reliant on regular pooping. 
Okay. The way that the body gets rid of the excess estrogen that it has detoxified and is ready to leave the body is through poop. Okay. So if you're not regular with your digestion, if you're not going to the bathroom every single day, or if you have periods of constipation and diarrhea and it's alternating, which is a sign of IBS and many women with PCOS have IBS, I want you to know that there's a pretty good chance that it's impacting your estrogen levels. So if you're having missing periods, so low, you know, low progesterone, if you have symptoms of high estrogen, like PMS, those are all things that can be improved once you improve your digestion. So this is where fiber is very much linked to hormonal health and specifically to symptoms of estrogen dominance or low progesterone, which are very common with PCOS. The other thing that we know is that in the gut, believe it or not, there are actually specific bacteria that manage our estrogen levels. It's called the estrobolome. So that's the kind of group of bacteria that is in charge specifically at reducing or increasing your levels of estrogen. They're in charge of keeping the balance. So this is another reason why taking care of your gut with fiber, adding a variety, making sure that you're creating spacing of fiber in your day. And we're going to talk a little bit about that so that it's incorporated into every meal, but you're not overloading the system and feel like you have a brick in your stomach and you're so bloated. This is really important, not just because of regular pooping to excrete the excess estrogen. It's also important for the estrobolome, which is the bacteria in your gut that balances your estrogen, you know, naturally. Okay. So it's really, really important. This is why a lot of women who have gut problems also have estrogen dominance problems. Okay. So once we do that, once we understand the many different ways that fiber helps us, hopefully this gives you some food for thought, pun intended, to add fiber into your day, to not be afraid of carbohydrates, to make sure that you're adding it into every single meal in a really smart way. And what that smart way is, we're going to talk about next. But let me first jump into the comments. Yes. So Kristen, you're saying, yep, you went through that. Do you agree with adding things like psyllium husk? Yes, I do love psyllium husk. Psyllium husk, for those of you who don't know, is a type of fiber that is a soluble fiber. So soluble fiber is the type of fiber that has the most benefits associated with it. So there are a lot of different types of fibers. Insoluble fiber is the fiber that helps you go. Okay. So that's usually, like I said, the skin of vegetables, the roughage in food, and that's the type of fiber that you want to add if you're constipated. If you already are going regularly, or if you have issues with diarrhea, you don't want to add insoluble fiber because that's going to make you go even more. So psyllium husk is not insoluble. It's soluble fiber and psyllium husk can help you with feeling full. So for you, Kristen, that can actually work really well and it's totally natural. It doesn't cause digestive problems. So some of the fibers like fiber one products, for example, contain something called chicory root and inulin, those are two types of fiber that literally destroy your gut. If you ever had a fiber one bar or their cereal, which is loaded with those two types of synthetic fibers, they can cause a lot of cramping, bloating, and gas. 
But psyllium husk doesn't cause digestive distress. And it can be for someone like you that I know you're struggling with a little bit of appetite management. That can actually be a really good way to curb your appetite. So all you do is you would mix it into water or you can add it to other things like smoothies or things like that and drink that. It should help you with satiety quite a bit. So that's something that I'd like you to try for sure. Metamucil is psyllium husk. Okay, so you can use you can buy psyllium husk on its own. It's an odorless, flavorless powder, and it's pretty easy to add it to things. Or if you you can use Metamucil, I believe that's psyllium husk as well. But just go with the no sugar added one. Okay, but first, I want you to make sure that you're getting enough fiber in your day from your actual food and meals. Only then will you want to supplement with a powder. So I'm not a huge believer in adding the powders just to kind of check a box. And I know that's not what you're doing, but sometimes people do do that where they want, okay, if I need to get 30 grams of fiber in my day, I'm just going to use this Benefiber powder and get it all in. That's not going to be as effective as getting your fiber from food, first of all, because it takes more work from the digestive tract to break down fiber from food. And there's a benefit in that process. There's also a lot of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants that come along with fiber when it's inside an actual whole food that we want to get. We want those vitamins. I don't want just the powder. You know, I don't want just the fiber. I want the whole package. And that we can only get from whole foods. So fiber powders and something like psyllium husk is a great supplement. But first, we want to make sure that you're getting enough. So let's talk about what's enough. Generally speaking, I think every woman with PCOS should aim for about 30 grams of fiber per day. Now, we do not want to add 30 grams of fiber or even 20 to one meal in one time in one sitting. So we're going to spread that out. Now, if you're someone who's currently at very low numbers, maybe you're even at zero, which is not hard to do. Many women take near zero grams of fiber per day. I don't want you to aim for 30. I want you to gradually add maybe three or four grams per meal and see how you feel digestively. If you're already getting that, you can definitely take it a step up and try to reach somewhere between seven to 10 grams per meal. That way, hopefully by the end of the day, you're averaging between 20 and 30 grams for the day of fiber. That's a really great number. And you're going to feel the magic of fiber pretty quickly after you do that. You're not going to have as many cravings. Your energy levels are going to be better because your blood sugar is not peaking and then dipping. You're going to see some weight loss, hopefully, within about three or four weeks of doing this. And over time, if you keep it going, if you have issues with cholesterol or if you have gut issues, those things should normalize as well. So I usually recommend seven to 10 grams of fiber per meal, unless you're much lower than that now, then start smaller. And then you also always, always want to add water. Water and fiber go together. Otherwise, you're going to have a brick in your stomach. You're going to feel like everything is backing up and not moving through. So you want to reach a good amount of water per day. Usually that would be somewhere between 70 to 90 ounces. Okay. And always, always be sipping on water along with your high fiber meals, at least two glasses of water per meal. So that way it's kind of spread out. It's a little less daunting. And it's definitely easier on your system. We don't want to shock the system, right? So anytime you're doing something new, kind of take it slowly. Now, some 
fiber foods are more accessible. They're easier to have than others. And of course, we have fruits and vegetables. So not all fruits and vegetables are high. So I want you to really prioritize things like apples and pears and berries, cruciferous vegetables, things like artichokes, beets, carrots. These are going to be some really nice high fiber foods. And then for your starches, of course, we have root vegetables like turnips and parsnips and sweet potatoes, as well as your grains. So if you don't like quinoa or you don't tolerate it, don't worry about it. You may want to get your fiber elsewhere. Also, I love farro and bulgur wheat. Those are two grains that I always recommend. In my program, I have a huge recipe book for farro and bulgur wheat recipes. Those are considered ancient grains. So if you've ever heard of ancient grains, Those are two of them. Quinoa is another one of them. Millet is another one of them. Those are all really high in fiber. So you want to make sure that you're getting familiar with them. You can find them in most grocery stores. Sometimes it's going to be in the more specialty healthy food area, but they're great. They can be used with, you know, as a side dish or in soups or as now getting into the summer, you can make a grain salad, a grain bowl out of those. Great option. Okay. And then we don't want to forget that it's not just carbohydrates that give us fiber. It's also some fats. So things like flax seeds, avocados, coconut has some fiber, actually. We just want to be careful with the saturated fat there. But flax seeds, chia seeds, edamame, almonds, walnuts, those are all excellent sources of fiber. And avocados are also super high. So you have a lot of different options. I want you to think about one or two fiber foods that you can add on to your meals. Maybe you replace something. So I want you to also swap. So if you are currently eating a certain bread, next time you shop for bread, I want you to look at labels and see, well, can I get another gram of fiber? Maybe two, three more grams of fiber if I switch to this bread. You always want to be comparing the labels and making sure you're getting the most nutrition because you may find the bread that you like just as much, but has two, three additional grams of fiber. That's a huge benefit. So you want to make those smart swaps so that before you know it, you've added maybe 10 or 12 grams into your entire day and you haven't made a huge change. Okay. I'm all about taking what you're currently doing and making it better. Nobody wants to overhaul their whole life and eating 180 degrees just to be healthy. That's not sustainable. So take what you're already doing, make it better. Yeah, hemp seeds do have fiber. Not a ton, but they do. The problem with fats, so seeds, nuts, sometimes people will say, well, I eat peanut butter. Doesn't that have fiber? It does. It doesn't have that much. And in order to get a good significant amount, we need to eat so much of that food that we end up consuming too many calories. So you always want to balance the calorie count with the nutrition of it, right? So with hemp seeds, you want to look like two tablespoons of hemp seeds, I believe are about 90 or 100 calories. See how many grams of fiber are in there. I believe three or four grams. So that's not bad. I think that's a pretty good deal, you know, you could say. But again, if I were to eat a slice of whole wheat bread that has five grams of fiber, but it only has 60 or 70 calories, that's maybe a better choice for me. But you can alternate. Always check the labels and see if it's making sense. 
With peanut butter, I can tell you it doesn't make sense because peanut butter only has a gram or two of fiber, but 100 calories a tablespoon. And we all know eating one tablespoon of peanut butter can be challenging because it's delicious and we all want to overeat on it. So you're not really getting that much fiber or you would have to eat so much of it to get to four or five or six grams of fiber. All right, so we're going to start slowly. We're going to add that water. We're going to space it out throughout the day so we're not overloading the system. We're going to be really strategic about the foods that we choose and where they can fit in my day. And you, of course, can add them as snacks. You can add fiber foods as snacks. Actually, one of the highest fiber foods or snacks, I should say, is popcorn. Popcorn is actually a really good fiber source. And a lot of people like if you want a crunchy, salty snack, that's an excellent choice. And it's super low in calories. So you can eat a big volume of popcorn for a very small amount of calories and get that fiber. And the reason that there's a lot of fiber in popcorn is that we eat the whole kernel, right? We pop the whole corn kernel. So it hasn't been really processed. Nothing has been stripped away and we get the entire benefit from that grain. Okay, awesome. I think we covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Vegetables are gonna be really important here. So if you were to work on nothing else, I do want you to work on adding a variety of vegetable colors and types into each one of your meals. Ideally for the day, you should be around three to four cups raw. If you're in my program, you're going to be challenged to do a lot better than this. But if you're just starting out, three to four cups of vegetables raw or one to two cups cooked is your goal. And that may sound like a lot for some of you or a little for others, I want you to really measure it and see where you currently are. If you're currently already eating that amount, challenge yourself, make it better, kind of up, up level. Okay. But if you can reach about three to four, maybe even five cups of raw vegetables per day, and now again, getting into summer, it should be easier. I want you to do that. And that's speaking of non-starchy vegetables specifically, not including fruit. Fruit, one or two servings per day is what I usually recommend. But vegetables, we want more. We want as much as possible, unlimited at any time in the day, add them to meals, go crazy with them. However you like them, just don't deep fry them. Should you pair popcorn with something for a snack or eat it alone? You could eat it alone. Ideally, yes, you would pair. But if it's something, it's a situation where that's going to be satisfying. It's big volume. Usually the reason that we pair is to keep you satiated, to make sure you don't get hungry soon after. But because popcorn is super high volume and it does contain the fiber, I think you'd be okay. So you don't always, always have to pair. You kind of have to use your common sense and also see how your body feels. Now, with that said, if you ate popcorn and within 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you're like, well, I really could go for something else. You probably should pair it because that means it got processed too quickly and then you got hungry pretty soon afterwards. So use it as a learning experience. Ladies, whenever you eat something, you eat it, you enjoy it. But then I want you to follow up. I want you to really continue to listen to your body and see what happens after that meal. You're going to gain so much information about your body and how it works by just observing your symptoms after meals. So if you ate that popcorn and a half hour later, you needed another snack, pay attention to that. Make sure you tell yourself, okay, here's what happened. I ate this thing. It filled me up for 10, 20 minutes. Now I need to eat again. I should probably pair it. Or maybe I need a different snack altogether. Maybe I should add veggies to it, right? So it doesn't always have to be pairing it with the protein. Sometimes it's about volume. 
So you have to pay attention to read into your symptoms. You're going to get to understand your body really well. And that's going to help you make choices that support your goals. Okay. So body literacy is very important. All right. So we talked about vegetables and then labels. I really do believe that reading labels is one of the most powerful things that you can do. A label is there for you to give you information, to educate you about what's in the food. So when you're looking at a label, you don't have to look for a food that's perfect all the way down. That's not going to happen, right? But we want to make sure that if we're working on adding fiber, that's what we're looking at. You want to be very specific about the things that you're working on. And if this week you're going to focus on adding fiber, make sure you're looking at those labels and swapping foods that are low fiber that you can find higher fiber alternatives to, or making sure that you understand, you know, yes, I like white rice. It doesn't have fiber and that's okay because here's what I'm going to add to my meal to get the fiber. So even if something doesn't have fiber, you still want to be aware of that. Read the label, make sure that you understand so that you can balance out, round out your meal with something else and make sure it's fully balanced. Okay. So yeah, that's basically the tips that I have for you today. That's what I wanted to share as far as adding fiber. Regarding bloating, here's my three tips for you. You're going to want to take it very slowly. You're going to want to make sure that you're not adding synthetic fibers. So if you see, for example, like I said in the beginning, fiber only comes from plant foods. So if you see a yogurt that has fiber, you better believe that fiber is synthetic because yogurt does not have fiber to begin with. Okay. Fiber only comes from plant-based foods. So when we see a yogurt or a juice, like a clear juice that all of a sudden has fiber in it, not a smoothie, but a juice, we see a lot of those now. And that's because everyone knows that fiber is important. But what I want you to know as a smart consumer and as an educated person is that that fiber is likely added. It's synthetic. It wasn't there to begin with. That's the type of fiber that's likely going to cause more digestive issues. So we want to make sure that we're avoiding that as much as possible. So you want to add it gradually. You want to avoid synthetic fibers and you want to make sure that you're adding the water. Okay. And then observe your symptoms. Some foods are going to make you more gassy and bloated. Those are usually your high FODMAP foods. Maybe I'll do another live about FODMAPs and what you can do about them, but I don't want to get too into it. But essentially, FODMAPs are a type of starch, a type of fiber in your foods that causes more bloating. So you may want to look for lower FODMAP alternatives. If you want to dive into that, send me a message. We can talk more about it. This is probably something you don't want to do on your own, but that can tremendously help with bloating. Okay. So, but my three tips for you is avoid synthetic fibers, add whole foods, make sure you're chewing very thoroughly. That's another thing. You don't want to rush through it. Fiber foods are going to require more chewing than low fiber foods. That's because there's more roughage in them there. You need to break them with your teeth. Most people eat so quickly. We don't chew well enough. Food as gross as it may sound should really be liquefied in your mouth. Okay. So food should be liquefied in your mouth. You need to be using your teeth for what they're meant for, which is breaking down the food. Your stomach's job is not to break down the food. So if you have a lot of bloating, a lot of times it's because food is staying so long in your gut because your stomach can't churn it well enough. So we want to really make sure that you're breaking down the food in your mouth, 
chewing it really well. And if you really feel gassy after eating raw vegetables, start with cooked. Cooked vegetables are going to cause less gas because there a lot of the cell walls have been broken down and a lot of some of the compounds that cause gas are eliminated through the process of cooking. So you may do better starting with cooked, softer vegetables that require less chewing. That may be easier on your system. Okay, so that's what I would definitely suggest if you're prone to gas. Do you have a suggestions if you're eating out? As far as what? As far as adding fiber? It's the same thing. You would be looking for those high fiber foods. If you're not eating out that frequently, I wouldn't worry about it. Of course, you can also make sure you have enough fiber in the rest of your day. But, you know, focusing on salads and cooked vegetables and making sure that you're ordering certain, you know, if the restaurant offers things like sweet potatoes or higher fiber grains, you would opt for those. But if you're going out once in a while, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, make sure the rest of your day is good. The rest of your week is high fiber. And, you know, you can only do what you can do when you're out in a restaurant, but the same principles would apply. If possible, you can look up the menus ahead of time and maybe pick a place that has more higher fiber options. But all of these things would still apply in exactly the same way. All right, everyone. Well, this was longer than I expected, but I'm glad I was here. I hope it was helpful. Let me know in the comments if you like this kind of training, if you want to see more of this, if you have other topic suggestions from me, I'd love to hear them so I can make sure I'm talking about things that interest you and will be beneficial to you. And I will see you here again next week. Bye for now. I'll talk to you soon.